Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio and octalkradio.net where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Please contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to your website to hear, go to our website to hear podcasts of any and all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. Today is May 13, 2016. I'm Charlie Wright and we have the distinct privilege and pleasure of talking for the very first time with Chris Lacombe of River North, headquartered out of Chicago. Chris, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. Good to be here. So, Chris, River North, you guys have a very unique investment strategy with mutual funds, fund-of-funds on closed-end funds, and some LPs here with long-short strategies that are unique. So please uh, uh, tell us uh, what's uh, – give us a brief background here of River North. Certainly. So ultimately, River North was founded in 2000. Uh, Since 2004, the focus of our firm has been on the research, development, and analysis of closed-end funds. So we've been doing that for approximately 12 years. Uh, There's 25 of us at the firm, and today we're managing approximately $3.3 billion in assets across a series of opportunistic investment strategies. Well, I've got to hand it to you. We, uh, we're certainly familiar with closed-end funds, and on this show, we've had several shows devoted to closed-end funds. But uh, I've got to tell you, I've never heard of a, a, uh, an investment management strategy, or especially an ETF, that focused t- solely on others' closed-end funds and when to buy and when to sell in those. How did you guys come up with that whole strategy? Yeah, it's uh, definitely unique in the marketplace, and I would say the brainchild of the strategy is Ali, who's also one of the two managing partners at River North. I mentioned since 2004, we've been focused on the closed-end fund space. That coincides with Patrick joining River North as CIO. Prior to that, Patrick was with a team at Bank of America that, among other services, was providing leverage directly to closed-end funds and their sponsors. And so ultimately, as a closed-end fund, quote-unquote, insider, he became very familiar with the space and recognized for a variety of reasons that they're relatively inefficient, as well as some structural characteristics that could ultimately lead to generating alpha above and beyond any particular market exposure that you're getting from these underlying closed-end funds. Now, you mentioned... Patrick... Sorry, go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned alpha. Uh, You know, uh, I'm well aware that... uh, most of uh, closed-end funds are purchased by the public, the private investor, and they're purchased typically for the distributions that they generate of a very significant amount over and above what normal uh, corporate bonds and other fixed income investments generate. It sounds like if you're creating alpha, however, you are in them for the equity play versus for the distributions that they're generating. Is that the case? 
Yeah, that's definitely accurate. You know, certainly as part of our research and analysis, we're looking at the distributions, we're looking at the sustainability of those distributions, i.e. is a fund covering or earning its distribution. Uh, and we know that distributions are one of the most important factors in terms of the typical retail investor's interest in a fund. So we want to be very familiar with how these distributions may essentially entice a retail investor to favor one fund over another fund. So you are correct that we're thinking about it more from a total return perspective, trading the changes in the discounts of these closed-end funds. But distributions is a very important part of the overall process. And uh, looking at the strategies that you guys use, and I under, certainly understand you have several mutual funds here and several LP strategies. Looking at those strategies, are they primarily fundamental? Are they technical? Are you looking for momentum moves? Are you just looking for who's the strongest? Uh, what, what are you looking for to determine when to get in and when to get out? Yeah, so it's definitely a combination of each of those points that you made. I like to think in terms of the the fundamental and technical side of things, and I can give you a couple of examples here. So starting on the fundamental side of things, I've already mentioned one of the things we're looking at, which is, is a fund earning its distribution and what's the sustainability of that distribution? In our research, one of the biggest drivers of discount widening is when a fund cuts its distribution. And then the opposite is also true. So fundamentally, just looking at the fund's balance sheet, uh, looking at its leverage profile, i.e. the type of leverage that it's using, what the terms of that leverage are, uh, what the cost of that leverage could look like in a rising interest rate environment, all of these things then tie back to, you know, again, the sustainability of that distribution. And that's a big fundamental piece that we look at. Uh, Closed-end funds being 40-act registered investment companies report their holdings on a periodic basis. They have to report at least quarterly. Many of them choose to report on a monthly basis. So we're looking through to the underlying holdings as well, and I would say that's a fundamental process. Uh, Not necessarily trying to fundamentally value the underlying holdings, but more so from a risk management standpoint. We want to know that if we buy a particular closed-end fund, that we know what type of underlying exposure that we're incorporating into our portfolio. So getting very comfortable with the underlying assets, getting very comfortable with what kind of interest rate risk is associated with a particular fund, you know, really all of the things that I would say any prudent manager would be looking at when making a prospective investment. And most of that I would bucket into the fundamental category. And then on the technical side of the equation, I think, Charlie, you mentioned one of the the key factors there, and that's momentum. So by our estimates, approximately 90 to 95 percent of the outstanding shares of closed-end funds are owned by retail investors. And for better or worse, they tend to make buy or sell decisions based on how they feel when they wake up in the morning about capital markets, fear, greed, etc., and so ultimately, if you have a retail investor who or a group of retail investors who become fearful about the capital markets and they decide to start 
liquidating their positions in mass that could cause discounts to widen out i.e their market prices to fall which could then cause more retail investors after experiencing a loss to then run for the exits so momentum is a very powerful factor in the closed end fund space and by monitoring momentum with these various funds as it relates to their discounts we can essentially trade alongside that momentum as well. So, and then the last piece that I think is important, I'm not sure this necessarily falls into the technical category, so we could just call it the other bucket, but it's really a behavioral economics game. So buying a fund at a deep discount is always attractive, but there's really no alpha or value add there if that discount doesn't narrow. And so a lot of that part of the process is essentially getting in the minds of retail investors in general and looking for catalysts that should cause those discounts to narrow. And again, that tends to be driven more by behavioral economics, which you could say is partially technical as opposed to any fundamental factors. Right. Chris, hold that right there. We need to take a break. And when we come back, we want to talk about some of the sum advisors that you have on some of your funds here. We're talking with Chris Lacombe of River North out of Chicago, Illinois. And you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Welcome back to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And again, we're talking with Chris Lacombe of River North out of Chicago. So, Chris, uh, you've told us about the uh, the basic strategies that uh, River North uses in evaluating closed-end funds. I've also noticed that you use sub-advisors, including Jeffrey Gunlack, Double Line, a very, very well-known prognosticator and money manager with a, a great track record. So do you have, are all of your funds sub-advised by others? Um, are most of them sub-advised by you? How does that work? Sure. So uh, to answer the first question, no, not all of our funds are sub-advised. And Maybe it'll help just to walk quickly through the progression of how we arrived at utilizing sub-advisors on our funds. Uh, It starts really with our flagship mutual fund, the River North Core Opportunity Fund, which we launched back in December of 2006. So from 04 to 06, Patrick was essentially employing the closed-end fund trading strategy on a separately managed account basis for our clients. And in 2006, we launched our core opportunity fund. That strategy is essentially designed within a very diversified, top-down, balanced equity to fixed income type portfolio to essentially rotate between cash and ETFs when closed-end fund discounts are deemed to be unattractive by River North 
to closed-end funds and similar asset classes as their discounts widen out, and we think we've identified catalysts for those discounts to narrow. So it's effectively an ETF to closed-end fund rotation strategy, ultimately increasing closed-end fund exposure as discounts widen out and then taking down that exposure as discounts narrow, all the while staying fairly true to this very diversified, top-down, balanced asset allocation portfolio. So that was our initial strategy launched in 2006. In late 2010, we launched our second open-ended fund, which is the River North Double Line Strategic Income Fund. So this is a fund that we had on the drawing board for quite some time. We knew that our second effort in the open-ended fund space would be a dedicated fixed income strategy. And we felt that utilizing just an ETF or basket of fixed income ETFs as the dry powder portion of the portfolio could probably be improved upon by hiring an actively managed sub-advisor just because we think there's probably more opportunities for active management and fixed income relative to equities. And so along those lines, timing worked out where uh, we were ultimately thinking about launching a fixed income strategy. If you think about that period of time, it was at the end of 2009 when Jeffrey Gunlock and TCW parted ways. He launched Double Line Capital in early 2010. Uh, River North, as some people may know, were one of the largest investors in the closed-end fund that Jeffrey was running at TCW, the TCW Strategic Income Fund, TSI. And so when Jeffrey left to form Double Line, we ultimately reached out to him more or less as a concerned shareholder just to get a lay of the land because the fund had experienced some pretty significant discount widening upon his departure. Uh, we started a dialogue that over the course of 2010 led to us essentially approaching him about acting as the sub-advisor to the fixed income strategy that we had devised. So essentially the stars aligned and at the end of 2010 we launched the River North Double Line Strategic Income Fund and as I mentioned a little bit earlier, instead of just using a basket of fixed income ETFs as our dry powder, Double Line is managing a core fixed income portfolio that serves as home base dry powder or just fixed income beta during periods of time where fixed income closed end fund discounts are deemed to be unattractive. Okay, so so tell us, given uh, and then you have other strategies as well. So, given your strategies, they focus on closed end funds. Who should be looking at these strategies? What type of investor would consider, in your opinion, the strategies that you offer? Well, I guess I would start by saying that most of our investor base would fall into a couple of categories. I would say mid-sized to larger registered investment advisors. Uh, they tend to be independent. Uh, we do have some money in the traditional broker-dealer world. Uh, we also have some investors, family offices, multifamily offices, and some endowments, foundations, institutions, etc. So those are typically the types of investors that we're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. And then obviously those clients are recommending our various funds to their underlying clients who fall into a very wide spectrum 
of categories depending upon the suitability of incorporating one of our funds into the client's portfolio. So I do like to be out front by saying, you know, we're not more often than not working directly with the end client. And there's obviously the whole suitability process and all. But I would say in general, the types of investors that are attracted to River North are ones that are looking for opportunistic type investment strategies. Uh, Ultimately, if you think about how we manage the funds, it all starts with this very diversified, relatively predictable capital markets exposure, whether it's the balance fund or a strategic income fund, or we have an all equity fund, or we have a credit fund that we co-manage with Oak Tree Capital. But at the end of the day, from a top-down standpoint, these funds have very specific capital market profiles. And then ultimately, River North is implementing the closed-end fund trading strategy to add some value or alpha above and beyond that fairly straightforward beta profile of the fund. So getting back to the question, Charlie, I would say the typical investor in one of our funds is someone who – is looking for a unique way and in many cases an uncorrelated way of generating some alpha above and beyond a traditional beta profile without having to make big macro calls or bets on the future of the capital markets. And it's probably important to note there that River North is not a macro shop. We don't think our crystal ball is any better than the next guys in terms of predicting the future movement of, say, interest rates or the U.S. dollar or stock market in general. So the investors tend to gravitate to us because we've devised a way of trading around on more of a reactive basis to changes in these closed-end fund discounts. And we're not subject to having good luck or good timing and making a big call about the future. Okay, well, we appreciate your your honesty there. Uh, not everybody is a so forthright. So tell us your long short your long short strategies. Are they a market neutral strategy? Indeed, and I would also just qualify that statement. Like to be upfront, those strategies are for accredited investors, and so there's only so much we could talk about the strategies in this particular venue. But I would say, keeping consistent with what we've talked about to this point, the primary difference between what we're doing in, say, the long-short strategy versus the other strategies that I've mentioned is we're just able to hedge out some of that overall market risk. So to your point, Charlie, it is more of a market-neutral absolute return expression of the trade but in terms of the people the process the way we think about closed-end funds uh, certainly there's some differences across the portfolios based on relative size of each portfolio and the underlying objective of the portfolios but for the most part that part of the the entire process is consistent across all of our different strategies we're just hedging out some of that overall market exposure in the lps And tell us, Chris, you know, every strategy has the market conditions where it thrives and the market conditions where it struggles. What are the market conditions where your strategy will probably struggle? Uh, The market conditions where we struggle is really when there's uh, what we think is an attractive environment for closed-end fund discounts 
And so we rotate many of our strategies to an overweight position in closed-end funds, and then discounts widen from there. Because again, getting back to my earlier comments, our view of the future is really no better than the next guy. So if a particular closed-end fund trades at a 10% discount, and we think that the likelihood of that discount narrowing to 5 is much higher than that discount widening out to 15 we may put on some exposure to that particular fund at a 10% discount, but there's no rule out there that says retail investors don't wake up one morning and say, you know what, I don't like this fund at all and push it out to a 15 or a 20% discount. Or again, you could have a, a Q4 2008 type scenario where the average discount across the entire space touched a little bit over 26% in October. And so just when you think closed-end fund discounts are attractive, they could get much cheaper. So I would say overall, that type of environment is probably most challenging for us. You know, Chris, uh, it would be nice if we had an indicator or a siren or a bell or a light system that said discounts are going to widen (laughs) or contract from here. Unfortunately, there isn't one, as we know. So, Chris, a question we always like to ask all of our guests, what keeps you awake at night? Well, I would say we probably do a pretty good job of of sleeping well at night, but maybe getting back to that last example I just provided, you know, when you manage strategies that are essentially closed-end fund trading strategies, when you think you're doing the right thing, it's always possible for discounts to widen out significantly further. So again, I'll go back to that Q4 2008 time period. I know that there were many people on the River North team that were probably experiencing some difficulties sleeping at night because in, for example, our core opportunity fund, by the end of 2008, we had essentially taken up closed-end fund exposure to 98% of the overall portfolio. And typically, closed-end fund exposure in that portfolio is somewhere around 50-60%. So we were essentially, I hate to use a a poker analogy because I don't want to give the impression that what we're doing is gambling here, but we were essentially all in on the closed-end fund space in Q4 2008. And if you think back to those days, you know there was a lot of fear towards, is my ATM even going to work tomorrow morning when I go request some cash? And so when you're managing money in that type of environment, uh, again, there's no guarantees that closed-end funds aren't just going to widen out to 50% discounts or 75% discounts. And so, again, getting back to your question, Charlie, having been through that environment, what keeps us up at night, I guess, would be when we think discounts are relatively attractive and we're rotating our strategies to being overweight closed-end fund discounts, we always have in the back of our mind that, hey, we could get hit with another 2008-type scenario And then our investors are going to be faced with some pretty significant, what we hope is unrealized or are unrealized losses. And, you know, that's certainly going to be a a negative relative to some of these other strategies out there. Yeah, no question about it. So, Chris, the second question we always ask our guests is what book on investing would you recommend to our listeners? Oh, that's a good one. So, um, you know, I, I mentioned that we have a partnership with Oak Tree Capital, where they are the sub-advisor on a strategic credit open-ended fund that we run. 
And throughout the few years of that partnership, I was introduced to Howard Marks's book, The Most Important Thing. And I would say that's probably one of the more influential books, at least influential in terms of my thinking, that I've read in the last few years. Uh, if you read Howard Marks's memos or if you've read the book, uh, it's he's just got a very – he's got this knack for explaining things that – you would think should be common sense, but the way he explains them, it just drives home the point like, oh, wow, I never – that's a basic concept, but I never really thought about it that way and it makes all the sense in the world. And the book, The Most Important Thing, is essentially a collection of some of his best memos over the course of you know, the last 30-plus years. And it, there's just really tremendous amounts of value and wisdom in some of these lessons that in many cases he's learned the hard way. So it's uh, it's really a great read. You know, anything from Howard Marks, anything from Oak Tree Capital is worth reading or listening to, Chris. No, no question about it. So thank you for that recommendation. And that's the first one, uh, uh, the first recommendation for on Howard Marks that we've had, I believe. So we appreciate that. So give us your website and contact information for people who want to know more. Sure. So website, www.rivernorth.com. And then contact information, I'll just provide mine directly because I'm happy to always talk with our investors or prospective investors. So again, Chris Lacombe, and my direct line is area code 312-445-2336, or you can reach me directly via email at C lacombe that's l-a-k-u-m as in mary b as in boy at rivernorth.com okay thank you chris so chris final words for our listeners here well i guess i'll stick with a, a theme that we've touched on throughout the course of this conversation and that is trying to predict the future of capital markets movements especially over the short term i think is very challenging you know, we get back to thinking that the importance of luck and timing is probably right up there with skill. And I think that's why you've seen a lot of active managers struggle over the course of these last several years. I think that's also especially apparent today. We have such a high degree of uncertainty, whether it's surrounding the Federal Reserve's policy, negative interest rates, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, so I think that makes trying to predict the future even more difficult. So we just get back to we like to spend our time looking for pockets of inefficiency or irrationality in some cases or investment vehicles that are just underfollowed, underloved, or unloved maybe is the better term, and just try to generate some value above and beyond you know, a fairly straightforward, plain vanilla beta type profile and just hope for the opportunity to repeat that a few times each year. 
So, Chris, thank you very much. Great words of wisdom there, and we appreciate your contribution. And uh, I'd like to congratulate you and River North, over $3 billion under management, and in just a few years, really, is uh, is quite an accomplishment. So you guys uh, know what you're doing here, no question about it. So we've been talking with Chris Lacombe of River North out of Chicago, Illinois. Chris, have a great day, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Charlie. It was great being on the show. So you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere, and we'd love to hear from you at info at strategicinvestorradio.com, and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. This is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.